God expects every Christian to be growing spiritually. If if you're not growing, don't expect your faith to fulfill its potential in your life. As long as you live, spiritual growth never ends. Listen to this. Philippians 3, brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended. In other words, I haven't reached it yet. But this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Paul is clearly going after it, hungering and thirsting to pursue and to grow. But here's the thing. When Paul wrote that, he's sitting in prison awaiting execution. Philippians is either the last or the second to last book that Paul penned. And yet he said, I'm going after it. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Yesterday at the Sunday school conference, the keynote speaker was Pastor Clarence Sexton, pastor of the Temple Baptist Church in Powell, Tennessee. Brother Sexton, in his message, passionately made this statement. I wrote it down word for word. He said, I am not content to live out the rest of my days and not see God do his greatest work in my life. Here's a man who's been serving God for 52 years. He's in his 70s. And he said, I'm not content to live out the rest of my life and not see God do his greatest work in my life. I say to you, God expects every Christian to be growing spiritually, and as long as you live, spiritual growth never ends. The passionate Christian will make spiritual growth his passion. If you're serious about God, you'll be serious about spiritual growth. Listen to what Peter said in 2 Peter, giving all diligence, add to your faith, virtue and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience, and to patience godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness charity. For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that you shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But it begins with giving all diligence. Add to your faith. The passionate Christian will make spiritual growth his passion. I will never understand, I will never comprehend the Christian who is content with how much he's already grown and who is not passionate to grow more. When there's so much more to become for God's glory. This stage of your life, Christian, I know I said it a million times, but you, we need to get this in our hearts. There are three stages to God's work that he's doing in your life. Three huge stages. The first one is justification. That's what took place when you got saved. Justification. Then is sanctification. That is the process of God making you like Jesus Christ. That is taking place every day right now. You are in the process of sanctification. Justification happened immediately. It's done. 
Jesus did everything necessary for your justification to take place the moment you put your faith in Jesus Christ. It's done. It's, it's, a, it's a past event, and it's done forever. But sanctification is every day. Every day, God making you like Jesus Christ, which is spiritual growth. And when you are content to have your growth stunted, that doesn't just affect you in this life. That affects you for eternity. Because the next step, the third and final step in the process is glorification. And that's when God takes you as you are at the end of your life, whether it's at your death or at the rapture. He takes what, you, what he has made you and transform you, transforms you into your eternal body so that you can live eternally with him. And make no mistake, what he has to work with when he glorifies you will depend on what you have allowed to make him your whole saved life. There's an awful lot of believers that are walking around and they are living in such a way that when glorification comes, they will not have given God much to work with. Do you get that? I wish I had time to go off down that road, but we'll do that another time. If you need illustration of it, think Pastor Wilkerson going to Disneyland with no money, thinking just because you get in, everything's free and finding out that's not true. I love that story, but we don't have time for it. But that's the way far too many believers, hey, if Satan can't keep you out of hell, he will keep you from being everything, you, enjoying everything you can when you get to heaven. And that's why he's selling us on this lie of, you're saved, just live any old way you want to live. That's a lie of Satan. And he probably talks like that too, anyway. So I said, first of all, spiritual growth is expected. God expects every Christian to be growing spiritually. As long as you live, spiritual growth never ends. The passionate Christian will make spiritual growth his passion. Spiritual growth doesn't just happen. It requires spiritual effort. Now, the passage we read gives us an awesome recipe for spiritual growth. First of all, preparing for growth. Verse 1, wherefore laying aside... All malice, all guile, hypocrisies, envies, and spiritual, uh, evil speaking. Isn't it something? You know, when we list what we think are the big sins, we list stuff like, you know, drinking, smoking pot, and all this, you know. And I'm, I'm no fan of those things. But when the Word of God tells us what to put aside so you can grow, it has more to do with how you think and your attitudes and how you talk. And he says, if you want to prepare to grow, there's some things you got to let go of. Malice. That's your attacks on other people. You can't grow if you're attacking other people. Guile. That's deceit. Telling lies. Hypocrisies. That's not being what you present yourself to be. 
envies. You want what other people have. And all evil speakings. You know, there have been people through the history of our church. I mean, all 25 years. I can say that now. All 25 years. Who, whenever you talk about one accord, and whenever you talk about not being critical of other believers, right away, what are you, some kind of cult? Why? Because we have peace? Because we don't want to attack one another? We don't want to be critical? We don't want to be negative of one another? No, that's not a cult. That's New Testament Christianity. Before you throw out that word, study and find out what it means, by the way, would you please? So you've got to prepare for growth by putting some things aside. And it all has to do with your, your spirit, your attitude, how you think and how you talk. Then in, in this recipe for growth, we have an appetite for growth. You got to want it. Verse 2, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. A lot of us are hindered from growth because our appetites have been spoiled. Now, this lists the appetite for the Word of God. There's four resources God has given us. I'm going to tell you about them in just a moment. But our appetite for the Word of God is spoiled because we, here's a great word, we binge on stuff. We binge on, you know, it's, it's going to change my preaching when I don't have to throw in the stuff, you know, relevant to 15-year-olds. But a couple of weeks ago, I mentioned, who was that? Billie Eilish uh, and all the teen. I don't know if you could hear it over here. was, like, how, how do he know that name? And, and all the rest of us, I only know it because somebody warned me about it. Uh, all the rest, rest of us were, oh, <laughs> what? And so I don't have to say those things anymore. Anyway, um, but we, if you binge, if you just fill your mind with all the entertainment, if you, if you live on Instagram and all that stuff, you're not going to have an appetite for the Word of God. But think about a newborn baby and how he just craves its mother's milk. That's the way we're supposed to crave the Word of God. So lay aside the something. You might be surprised, by the way, when you lay aside the malice and the envying and all that stuff, how your appetite for the word of God will increase. And then we have, and we'll end with this in a moment, the confirmation of growth in verse number three. If so be, if you've done this, you've tasted that the Lord is gracious. All right, so let me, let me give you quickly, and this is real quick. We're, we're coming in so fast for a landing here. Don't you worry about it. God has given us four indispensable resources to help us grow spiritually. Here's, here, I'll tell you what they are, and then I'll give you a scripture for each one of them. He's given us his word. He's given us prayer. He's given us his Holy Spirit, and he's given us his church. And these are the four resources that God has given to every single believer to help us grow spiritually. If we will fill our lives with these resources, we will see growth. His word, we saw that right in our text. As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that ye may grow thereby. Prayer, Ephesians 6, 18, one of many texts we could use. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. 
His Holy Spirit. When you got saved, the Spirit of God came to live inside of you. I love the Bible calls him the the Spirit of God, the Spirit of Christ, the very same Spirit. In fact, I'm going to read you a verse that says, the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. Romans 8.11. But if the Spirit of him that raised up Jesus Christ from the dead dwell in you, He that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. Pretty clear here. The spirit of God raised Christ from the dead. He lives inside of you. He can help you grow. You are never never apart from your greatest growth coach, the spirit of God. His word, prayer, his Holy Spirit. And the fourth resource is church. 1 Timothy 3.15 That thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. There's a lot of... By the way, you'll notice all these things, all four of these resources are either minimized in modern pop culture Christianity. Their importance is minimized or attacked. The Bible is in so many translations. You can't can't have one set of truths stated so many ways, some of them that leave out literally thousands of words, and they're all the same. Things that are different are not the same. And so God's word is attacked. Prayer is attacked by our time being so filled. We're so big. I don't have time to pray. The Spirit of God is attacked by false teachings about the person of the Spirit so that we're afraid to even talk about the Spirit of God. That's crazy. And the church is attacked by statements like this. And if you've heard this, you have to understand this is, this is foolishness. I don't go to the church. I am the church. You're part of the church, but you are not the church. Church means assembly. You are not an assembly. So, and and that's not, you say, uh, he must have heard about the person. No, I didn't hear about anybody telling anybody anything. I just hear that that's, that's one of those I mean, I could tell you where I heard it. It was on a a podcast. But they float around, and I have no doubt they get to you. Uh, You don't go to church. You are the church. Then please explain this one to me. That thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God. The Apostle Paul clearly had a different philosophy of church than the person who said, I don't go to church. I am the church. How thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the church. Now, truth, this building is not the church. Truth, these people are the church. You are a part of a church, praise the Lord. But you don't embody the church. When you say, I don't go to church, I am the church. You are separating yourself from the body of believers that Jesus died for so that you would have the resource of other believers to strengthen you. 
We need each other as believers. Benjamin Franklin famously said, if we don't all stand together, we will assuredly all hang together. And that's where we are in the New Testament church, and we can't even see it coming. If we don't stand together as believers and strengthen one another and pray for one another and love one another, and by the way, defend one another when we're attacked, we, we will. We probably won't hang together. It may have more something to do with imprisonment, maybe execution at some point. But make no mistake, we have a large portion of this country in our society that wants to make that happen. If you can't see the hatred of Christians, you're not paying attention. God has given us a church. This is no time for us to attack one another. This is no time for us to say, I'm sorry to run this in the ground, and maybe your best friend said this to you, but this is no time for us to take on philosophies like, I don't go to church. I am the church. Listen, forget about the cold, dead traditions that you have in your mind about religion or going to church, and instead embrace the idea of being a part of a Christ-centered, Holy Spirit-empowered body of believers who help to strengthen you, and you help to strengthen them. You need other believers. Other believers need you. God made it that way. That is the purpose of the assembly, the church. So God expects every Christian to be growing spiritually. As long as you live, spiritual growth never ends. The passionate Christian will make spiritual growth his passion. Spiritual growth doesn't just happen. It requires spiritual effort. God has given us four indispensable resources to help us grow spiritually. His word, prayer, his Holy Spirit, his church. Now, I love how this ends. 1 Peter 2, 3. If so be... In other words, if you have desired this sincere milk of the word, you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. Peter says, if you've tried it, you know. If so be, you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. If you have hungered for the word of God, you know it helps you grow. Peter would know that. Because by the grace of God, Peter had grown in just a few years from being a, an obnoxious, belligerent, profane, ignorant fisherman to being a godly, holy, spirit-filled preacher of the word of God who is now used of God to write scripture. And as I said on the radio this morning, what always amazes me about Peter, Peter was an ignorant fisherman. He wrote these two books of the Bible, First and Second Peter, that I have commentaries on my shelf written by brilliant men from centuries ago who wrote, they wrote volumes on these two books by an ignorant, uneducated fisherman. Surely you can see God in that. But Peter knew the transforming power of growth. And I pray that we will let the Lord help us grow 
and spiritually make the effort seek the lord let me let me end by talking again about our teenagers they're up in the teen center right now. and by the way you made that possible by bringing them to church by loving them by supporting the church in prayer and financially and with your time and efforts and now they have the opportunity to have their own service but they're not going to grow if we don't keep growing. And I'm not talking in number. I'm talking about spirit, personal spiritual growth. Personal spiritual growth. A person who's passionate for God should be passionate to grow spiritually.